The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Say it in the street, that's a knockout. But you say it in a tweet, that's a cop out. And I'm just like, hey, are you okay? And I ain't trying to mess with your self expression, but I've learned a lesson that's stressing and obsessing about somebody else's no fun. Welcome to episode nine of Jamie All Over. Today I am joined by a very special guest. Her name is Natalie Weaver. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. We've been chatting through Instagram, I think, for over three years now. And it's so nice to actually have kind of an in-person, not in-person, but virtual in-person meeting with you. Definitely. And I, I want to say first, thank you so much for your support throughout the years. And, and you've just been so kind. And the love and support really makes a huge difference in the work that I do. Oh, well, there was just something that drew me to Sophia. And I was trying to think back, how did I even find your page? And I don't even know. But the moment I saw your family and Sophia, there was just this like, beautiful, I don't want to cry. <laughs> there was just this like beautiful um, light from her soul. Yeah, you saw her, saw her as she was. And that's been my goal in this world is to allow people to see Sophia as we saw her. And you, you know, it's, it's that moment where you see true beauty and it has nothing to do with the outside appearance. And when, when you see true beauty and you know what it is, it's profound and it's life-changing. And the way you've described it, I, I knew when you reached out to me that you see Sophia as we do and what a special gift. She's so special and she's continuing to make an impact on this world. So I'm just so happy to have you here. Can you give the listeners a little bit of a backstory about Sophia? Sure. Um, Sophia is my firstborn. I have three kids. I found out at 34 weeks pregnant that she was going to be born with facial differences and disabilities. They actually said she might not survive birth, so I wasn't sure that she was going to make it. And so I had four weeks to prepare for this news. I mean, my entire pregnancy was typical, healthy, and she would hide her face with her hands in ultrasounds. And we thought, how cute. But really, she uh, was going to be born with differences. And to wrap your brain around something you never even thought of as a possibility was difficult. And so we had her and she was absolutely amazing and strong and uh, survived birth, which was the biggest hurdle and stayed in the NICU for a month. And then we got to take her home and take her out into the real world, which was absolutely horrible and heartbreaking for a mom to watch people react to your child in such a, a cruel way. People were mean and would stare and whisper and point. And at that point in my life, 
you know, having a baby, a new baby, I, I just wasn't strong enough to handle it. I would go into depression for days and try to pull myself out of it. I wanted everyone to see Sophia as I did, this amazing little girl who had overcome so much and was going through surgeries and difficulties, but she was so happy and she would laugh and smile and the world just didn't see her that way. And so we stayed private, relatively private, and that was my decision. I want to protect my daughter so she doesn't know this type of hate and discrimination. When she was seven, uh, our state was going to decrease services for medically complex kids. And her care is life-saving care. It's life or death for her. I had to make the decision to forego the privilege of being private. I went on TV and shared our story in an interview. And it just took off from there. And, and once I realized I can face my fears and the hate, I can do this. My fight turned into a national fight for health care, and my very first speech was given on Capitol Hill with five U.S. senators standing behind me, press and media, and I could do it, which I was shocked. From there, I, I learned my strength. My daughter taught me strength and taught me that I could do so much more, especially when it comes to protecting my daughter's life. Most parents will do anything, and Sophia just happened to require more. And so TV interviews and working internationally on healthcare, and then it turned into me receiving the worst hate you can imagine online, violent threats and comments about Sophia, all because she looked different. And that's when my work transitioned. Social media giants weren't following their own community policies and guidelines. I raised awareness about that and got Twitter to change and better protect disabled people online and worked with the head of Instagram and he's made some amazing changes. And so I just kept fighting. Uh, Sophia passed away in 2019 and I basically lost all my strength. I lost who I was, everything I had done. I've been pushing myself ever since to try to get back on and do this. And, and I just couldn't anymore. And the one thing that kept me going was Sophia's voice, helping disabled people directly paying for medical bills and medication, rent, anything they needed. I promised Sophia before she died, she was so proud of the work and the impact she was having and all the friends she made online. I promised her I'm going to be okay. I am going to continue this work in your honor. I want to change the world the way they look at beauty, and I want people like you to be accepted in this world and to not be treated horribly just for existing. And so that's what's kept me going. And honestly, this week is the first week I had that fire again and felt strong enough. I'm now, you know, going to write a children's book, Grow with Sophia, which is the name of the series that I'm recording that shows Sophia from birth all the way up until her 10 and a half years. So we can normalize facial differences. It's 2022. No one in this world should be hiding away because the world treats them cruel just for going to the grocery store or just for posting a picture online. You have an amazing story. And I'd like to go back to the beginning, finding out at 34 weeks, mm -hmm. all of this information after what you thought was a typical 34-week pregnancy. What were some of the things that the doctors were telling you? And, and how did this impact your world at the yeah, moment? So really the doctors, uh, I went to a high level ultrasound and two doctors spent several hours looking and performing an ultrasound. They had never seen anyone like Sophia through the ultrasound. So I didn't get much information other than she has facial differences, differences to her hands and feet. She might not even be able to breathe when she comes into this world. You're kind of just, that's it. 
your world crashes right before your eyes. Me and my husband drove home in silence in complete shock. I honestly thought, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough for this. This isn't something I can handle. And so the next four weeks, I slowly had to take myself from feeling like this is the end of my life to I can do this and held on to hope that things would be okay. And then we had her. Were you able to hold her? Because I know she was taken away to Mm -hmm. the NICU, but did you have a moment with her? Yeah, so first when I had her, the doctors, there were about 10 doctors and nurses, specialists, no one knew. They had a little setup for her to work on her if they needed to. And I didn't get to see her right away. And I didn't know what she looked like because they couldn't tell me, you know, there were so many differences. I just remember yelling, is she okay? Is she okay? And nobody answered. I still held out hope that they were wrong. No one answered Mm -hmm. and they just stared at me. That's when I knew they were right what they saw. Eventually they laid her on my chest and I'd never seen a little human being that looked like this before. And I was still in shock, but I remember her looking directly into my eyes. And I remember thinking I need to comfort her. And so I reached out, touched her, and then they took her away. Later, I found out one of the nurses that was working on her, the doctor had said, no, don't show her her baby. No, let's not show her her baby. The nurse advocated for me and and stood up for Sophia. This is her mother. And I'm so glad I got to see her. And then I didn't see her until later that evening in the NICU. And I was kind of putting it off because I was just terrified to start this new life of something. I didn't know if I was going to be able to handle or not. Wow. Going from the hospital then to life in public, what was that like for you? What were some of the comments that you would get? Also, can you maybe help shed some light on in every day when they come across someone who may have facial differences or who are disabled? What is the best way to approach? And because obviously we know staring is terrible, but maybe sometimes ignoring is also a bad thing. So what is some advice you can give people? Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. A smile and a hello goes a long way because I guarantee you that person with facial differences or disabilities has been ignored. I think, you know, it's just really simple, just treating them as you would treat anyone else. A lot of parents will shush their kids away. No, don't look, or they don't want them to say something. Allow your children to be curious. Don't shush them away. That's teaching them to ignore differences. And what I want people to do is to celebrate differences and just to be kind. I mean, it really is simple. But when we would take her out, people would stare and whisper. And I would have to gain so much strength just to run an errand, you know, go to the grocery store. And then when I'd get there, people staring, talking, walking away from us very quickly. Just it was so uncomfortable. And I remember once we were in Philadelphia for one of her surgeries and we were just walking around Philadelphia and I had to learn how to adjust. I mean, I went from crying and staying inside to getting in people's faces. You've never seen anybody different. Like I had to adjust. It was, it was tough, but these two teenage girls saw her and screamed at the top of their lungs and then walked away and started laughing. That was it for me. I was like, my daughter is not going to experience this type of hate or, you know, somebody checking kids out and talking to them. And then the moment we walked up, she wouldn't even look us in our eyes. And I just, 
I didn't want her to know that. She was so pure and sweet and had been through so much. I didn't want to add that to her. But really teaching your kids that it's okay to have questions. But what I prefer is why don't you educate your kids at home? Start at home. Show them people with disabilities, which is why I share Sophia. She shared in classrooms and let them get to know that people have facial differences and it normalizes it. It's no big deal. Just like my kids, no big deal when they see Sophia or other people, they actually will scream like, Oh, look, it's a wheelchair like Sophia's. I'm like, okay, okay. You don't have to yell. And, but they celebrate differences, (laughs) which is really wonderful. And we can start at home so easy. Is there some positive change moving in that direction? Your book, I think, is an amazing step. And you're saying it's being taught in school, which I think is so important. I would hope to see Hollywood have more diverse main Mm -hmm. cast with facial differences. And unfortunately, I think in the past, villains are portrayed with facial differences. But what about the main character? What about mm-hmm. the love interests? Do you see any positive change in that direction? As far as Hollywood goes, no. I haven't seen much change uh, in that direction. Books, there's you know diversity in that. But with disability, there's been changes, and that's been wonderful. But really, facial differences is something that is widely ignored. And it's a human rights issue and equality, and it's just not made the progress. I think that was one of my thoughts when I was laying in bed, and that sparked me is that I will likely not see meaningful change in my lifetime. And then I was like, oh, hell no, I got to get up. Get up, Natalie. Stop doing this. Let's let's get to work. Sophia is magical in that way that people around the world just love her and her sweet little giggle and her beautiful blue eyes. I just, I've got to keep my promise. And so I'm going to try to get the book out. I've got the series that people can watch. And that's on YouTube, Yes, correct? my YouTube channel. Yeah. And it's called Grow With Sophia. Um, the series is, is my YouTube okay. channel's Natalie Weaver's Sweet Sophia, which is what we called her because she was the sweetest human being yes. you would ever meet. Yes. So let's discuss your battle against the social media giants. I'm so proud of you for making the changes that you have already. So can you take us back to, I believe it started with Twitter mm-hmm. and someone had stolen Sophia's image. What happened with yeah, that? So, so this person um, stole Sophia's image to promote eugenics, basically. No one should be born with disabilities, that Nazi mentality. And I reported it hundreds of Thousands of people reported it and Twitter said no violation. And that's when I just got angry and I said, no, this this cannot be. And where do I report disabled people being treated like this and violent comments and hate? There was no specific place to report that the hate speech towards disabled people. And I thought, how can they find a violation if I have nowhere to report it? And so I just raised awareness and and gave TV interviews and brought a lot of attention. And the more people that care about an issue, the more chance you have to change. Uh, Eventually, Twitter included disability in their reporting tool and made changes. And that was really wonderful. I mean, you're still going to have hate, but if you have a policy that states you are against this and people are going online and doing exactly what they say you're not supposed to do and they don't do anything about it, well, what's the point of a policy? So that that happened and that was wonderful. And did Twitter reach out to you personally? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you send information on what needs to change. And if you aren't hiring people with disabilities and facial differences to say, hey, you know, the reporting tools need to reflect this, whatever 
algorithms or technical stuff needs to happen to recognize hate speech towards disabled people needs to change. Yeah. So they, they reached out and, and I do try to tell them you need to hire people that are experiencing these things so that you can have the knowledge to create the change or just to care about it, to protect people in general online. I mean, being a woman online is, is so harsh. So let alone a disability and facial differences. And then the same thing happened on Instagram. Did you know there were troll gangs? I got hit by troll gang. Um, So that meant weeks of dozens of comments every day, people telling me how to kill my child, what to, you know, and they're just getting away with it. And so Adam Masiri, the head of Instagram actually reached out to me and I think very highly of him. He took the time to talk to me personally and to figure out what what do we need to change? What are the things we need to do? And Instagram has made the most changes to protect people in general online and given us the control to be able to protect ourselves online, which has been really amazing. So I'm proud of those changes and there needs to be more. That's great, the progress so far, at least. You know, when you mention these things that there's actually people ganging up to tell you ways to kill your child, Mm -hmm. I can't reconcile that. I just have no idea what would possess a human to do that to somebody else. Do you battle with that? What do you think causes people to do that? Or do you just not even think about it? Or how do you reconcile all of that? As with anything else, you gain experience and knowledge. At first, I mean, I would cry. I It would ruin my day. I mean, it was so painful to me. I am unfortunately very used to it now, but I did do a lot of research on trolls. Who are these people that are doing this? The internet's their playground. Some people enjoy and gain pleasure out of harming people, so they're able to harm people on a mass scale. Uh, you also realize these are people that feel powerless in their lives. They have their own issues. And so that helps me a lot to know, you know what, this person has been through something. They need love more than anything else. Though I have called out trolls. I have fought them online. I have, I've probably done everything you can possibly do. I've given them love. I've called them out. I've exposed them. I've found out who those anonymous trolls are. People don't realize that if you have the right team behind you, you can find out who they are. I've had police sent to people's homes because it's gotten so bad. But really the best thing is, I've found and I still try to control myself is to ignore them because all they want is your okay. attention. That's what they do. You block, block and, block ignore, and ignore. Is that the best? Yeah. Okay. Block and ignore because you're just giving them what they want though. We're human. And sometimes I need to respond. I need to get after right. the thousandth comment. I need to get it off my chest. I'm human. If I want to be mad, angry, I need to do it and not try to hold it all in and be strong every single time. I don't want to be the bigger person every time. Yeah, Yeah, I I imagine. And when someone's coming after your child, that's a whole other level. You know, I get it if celebrities get their hate and there's people out there who have their opinions on them and they're purposely putting themselves into that spotlight. Not that they deserve any hate, but I can understand it almost a little bit better than someone coming after a child. It makes no sense to me. I know it, it, it was, it's rough to hear people make violent comments about your child. And I think there were times when people would try to come at me personally, and I would laugh because I just do not care. Say what you want about me. For some reason, I was okay with that. But when it came to Sophia, my my baby that I was fighting for every single day, fighting for her life while fighting 
for her right to exist and to be here and to be be seen as she is a, a human being. Yes. Sophia had a host of medical issues. Can you take us through all of that and why it was so important for you to advocate for the medical care in your state and then to the national level? Yeah. So Sophia was born, as we've mentioned, with facial differences and her syndrome was tested and discovered and there was a name given to it just recently. There's only a handful of other people, but Sophia's was most severe. It's a rare immune deficiency that causes you to have no B cells. And so that's what caused the changes in her hands, feet, and face. But then on top of that, she has something called Rett syndrome, which means she was developing typically and at about two and a half, three she lost all of her skills. So she was standing, sitting on her own, saying words, and despite the challenges of her differences, you know, was playing and growing typically. And so it's another loss to watch her regress and lose those skills. Such as talking, talking, walking, sitting, eating. Yeah, she had a feeding tube. You have seizures when you have Rett syndrome. You can, your body, automatically we breathe, our hearts beat, your body forgets to breathe or your heart forgets to beat. And it increases your risk for death, sudden death. And and so she had a lot going on and she had a lot of surgeries throughout her life, but she was still the sweetest, happiest, giggliest little girl, strongest girl you would ever meet. But the reason I had to go from private life to public was, again, my state was trying to take away healthcare services that keeps children in their homes. Because the cost of medical stuff is so high, even with private insurance, and we had top-of-the-line private insurance, they don't cover things like wheelchairs that are $10,000 and your baby's growing, standers, bath chairs. There are so many pieces of medical equipment you don't realize that people need to survive and live. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars just in one year. So this program helped cover costs that private insurance wouldn't. A lot of families, if they weren't able to maintain, their child would end up in an institution locked away. And once again, hidden people with disabilities and facial differences being locked away is is not the answer. And so this was a home program that allowed kids to stay at home and to survive and thrive. That must have been so scary Mm -hmm. to think that that could be taken away. Yeah, and also it provided the most important thing was nursing care in the home. Sophia had to be watched 24-7 at night because she would have choking spells, breathing spells, all of those issues that she had. And And so we were able to survive and have other kids as a family. Sophia loved her brothers and sisters. And it was so important for us to be able to function as a family. And we couldn't have done that without that program. So mama said, nope, you are not taking this away. And I joined some other mothers. And within six weeks, we stopped that from happening. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. And, And then with the election, with all the stuff that happened, there was a national threat of taking away pre-existing condition protections and then gutting Medicaid, which is what funds that program. And so I went on a national scale and and then was flown out to DC by myself to give that speech. And I realized I can do this. I can give TV interviews. Like, who is this person? And in some ways, I felt more like myself than ever. I was such a quiet, kind of hidden person, didn't want to make a fuss or bring any attention to anything, people pleasing, that whole whole thing that we all have to deal with, our insecurities. So I said, your fears no longer matter. Your daughter's life matters and the millions of other lives matter. And it's time to just push those fears out, face them, run towards them and do anything you can. That's incredible. I've heard you say that 
we don't really know what we're capable mm-hmm. of until we try. Yes. And it seems like you've taken these steps along the way. And every time you have one victory, you know, whether it's on the state level or to the national level to giving a speech that went viral around the world, mm-hmm. you know, with senators standing behind you. I don't know if that was your first it actual was. speech or <laughs> not. It's amazing. What advice can you give other people about taking those steps and doing it in spite of fear? What have you learned through that process? Um, you know, I mean, the step is the hardest part is actually the step towards the fear. I used to, before Sophia, run away from my fears and issues. When you face your fears, it's an opportunity for growth. It brings you closer to the type of person that you truly are deep down and the things that you can do. I mean, like I said, you don't know what you're capable of until you try it. And you may try something and learn it's not for you or you make a mistake. It's okay. God forbid I made a mistake. I perfectionist and it it was scary, but really it's just saying, I fear this. So I am going to face this and taking that step. It sounds so simple, but it really is very hard, but you're not going to know what you can do and fully who you are if you allow your fears to control you. You also have to be fighting for something that means so much to you that the fear, it exists, but it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. compared to the goal that you have in mind. And through that process, I feel like that's the only process you can actually discover your authentic self and that other self that has all of that strength and that power. Yeah. Otherwise we're just kind of hiding away from Mm -hmm. who we truly are. Yeah. Right. So I think I discovered you, like I said, maybe a little over three years ago and I watched your journey of deciding to transition Sophia to hospice care. And at which point you said that you wanted to give her all of the experiences that she could have. And one of those was an RV and you wanted to travel across the United Mm -hmm. States because of her immune deficiency. She couldn't travel on planes or, Mm -hmm. you know, with the general public. Walk us through your decision to transition her. And then what were some of those experiences that you were able to do with her? Transitioning her was very hard. I promised Sophia from the start. I I didn't know how long we, we had no guarantees. We didn't know how long she would survive. And I promised her I would always listen to her body and what it was telling me as far as surgeries. She had lots of surgeries that would improve her life and take away her pain and those types of things. But then we got to a point where it was surgeries to maintain life that would bring on another surgery and another surgery. And her body started to change globally. Things weren't responding the way they used to. She wasn't bouncing back after surgery. She almost died after a surgery. And then there was a major complication during a surgery, which I don't talk about too much because I just, it's, it's hard for me because it was that one surgery that basically led to her death. But twice she almost died after surgeries. No explanation as to why. That was her body saying, I've had enough. I've been through enough. All this surgery is going to do is lead me to another surgery and another surgery that's going to be painful and it's going to get harder and harder. We just decided we can't keep putting her through this and she's struggling. Difficult time, difficult thing to to decide. And I told her about it and we talked about it and she looked at me because she's so expressive, like... It's about time, mom. And I said, do you want to be done with doctors, Sophia? No appointments, no needle sticks, no surgeries, no pain, no medications that make you tired and drowsy. And she couldn't speak words, but occasionally she could. And she signed 
all done and said, all done with the biggest oh smile. And I knew that it was time. So we said, we didn't know how long we had after we made that decision. We said, let's live life to the fullest. Let's do things you haven't been able to do because of your rare immune deficiency. She couldn't be in crowds. It would have put her life at risk. I reached out to the amazing community online that I have been so blessed with. So we created all of these wonderful experiences. She went to a private movie theater showing of How to Train Your Dragon. Absolutely loved that. We got a private tour of an aquarium and got to go behind the scenes where people don't get to go and, and touch, you know, whales and just amazing, beautiful things. What were some of the others? She went to a hair salon. She would get her hair cut at home and she got teal green highlights. Her favorite color was green. Aww. One of the things that I thought was so amazing was that photo of you with her at the Mint Museum. Oh, she loved that experience. We took Sophia on a private tour at the Mint Museum in Charlotte. That was one of her favorite activities out of everything. And there was this huge picture of President Obama. And that's the healthcare that I was fighting for is the Affordable Care Act, which has pre-existing condition protections in it, which allows my daughter to have insurance and others. And so I thought, let's take a picture in front of this. It's so beautiful. What a meaningful thing right now that I'm standing here in front of this. And I held her in my arms and we took a picture and I posted it online. He responded and thanked me for the work that I have done to fight for healthcare and and for people with disabilities. And, you know, that was really amazing. I thought it was wonderful. And then I thought, oh, I could be doing more. I need to be doing more. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. It's like you achieve these goals and then you're like, the bar just gets set higher and higher with Mm -hmm. what you can get accomplished. But I'm so happy he recognized that. I mean, you deserve all the recognition in the world for what you're doing. And you're helping so many other children out there. I know I've said this to you through DM, but I do want to just express my deepest sympathy for your loss of Sophia. So I know that she passed away in May 2019. Mm -hmm. That was before you were able to go on your RV. Yeah, so we had this huge RV trip. Winnebago actually gifted us a huge RV to take around the United States. And it was a trip that we planned for her to see the United States. And she passed away a month before we could go on the trip. Something just kept nudging me. You you still need to take this trip. We took the trip and what a healing, beautiful thing to be able to do while you were grieving to experience the United States and these beautiful places that we had never been to. It was hard without her. Someone had said something, you were planning this trip for Sophia, but all along she was planning it for you. That was just beautiful. And and I feel like she was with us. I hope she was with us, Mm -hmm. but we continue on and And that's what we have to do. We have to live life and do things and see things and experience things because Sophia can. I just want to continue to keep her story and her impact on this world alive and and live in the moment, be unafraid, though I had to take several years of a break to gain that strength again because she was our world and our light. And she gave me that strength. She gave me all of the tools that I had to become who I was. Losing that was like losing that part of me. You're back. I'm so happy to have you back. And I'm sure you definitely needed to take that time to retreat. What can you say to other people who are also experiencing such devastating losses? I'm sure other parents have reached out to you. What kind of got you through it? 
I guess we never get through something like that, but what were some things that helped you and what advice can you give other people who might be experiencing that as well? Yeah. So, you know, I grieved openly and I wanted to advocate for grief because of the experiences of people telling you to move on and get over it and all these horrible things. My advice to any of my friends that have lost children, to anyone experiencing loss is to grieve. Allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to feel everything you need to feel. Because if we push it away, hold it off, when it does arrive, it's going to be much harder. And grief will be with you for the rest of your life. But what you will learn to do is to live with grief. It's always there in, in the background. Sometimes it wants to come visit and sit with me. And that's when I cry. But I think I wrote this recently is that before I was like pushing it. It's so harsh and it's so painful. And you think you're going to die as a parent losing your child. The emotional pain is so harsh that you actually have physical pain. But eventually you learn that your grief is your love for that person who died. And I hold my grief as gently as I held my daughter. That's beautiful. No emotion is bad. You feel those emotions. You allow them to flow through you. Otherwise, they are stuck inside you with nowhere to go. And if you allow them to flow, they flow more gently and easily. It's hard. You're just in survival mode. So survive the best way you can. Don't listen to anyone else that hasn't been through it. Reach out for support. Grieve. Feel. There is no time limit. And it will always come, but you will feel happiness again one day because you really don't, you don't think you are. You don't think you are. I, I think I was at a point where I didn't care if I was here or not, not suicidal, but just didn't care. And eventually you will care again and, and you will be happy and you will smile and have laughter without guilt just to live on for your child, even though it's hard. I think that's one thing that people may struggle with is that guilt that you just mentioned, you know, going out again and having fun and being silly and experiencing happy moments. I think guilt sometimes holds people back a little bit. When I lost my father, which is absolutely nothing like I would imagine losing a child, but when I lost my father, I said, I'm going to live the happiest life that I can in his honor. Because if roles were reversed and I was looking down upon him, the last thing I would want would be for my family to just be devastated or depressed or not live their lives to the fullest. Mm -hmm. So I try to do that in his honor. And I do want to let people know that they don't want you feeling that guilt. Mm -hmm. You don't have to feel it. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I agree with it. And I think it's natural to, to feel that earlier on and and in the beginning. And it just takes some adjustment and and don't feel bad about any of your emotions. And and like you said, that's what I do. I I feel like my loved ones are a part of me. And so what I'm doing and experiencing, they are. And you just have to carry them with you in your experiences Mm -hmm. in your life. But yeah, just just they want you to go on. Or at least that's what I'd like to believe. Yes. And I imagine that your nonprofit, Sophia's Voice, helped you mm. through that and helped you come out of a dark place yes. because you had you had work to do mm. and it's such important work. Yeah. Tell us about Sophia's Voice. Yeah. So I started it when she was alive. Part of me in the back of my mind knew that this is what's going to keep me going when she is no longer here. That was one of the things I really didn't take a break from because people would say, hey, I, I have this need. And I couldn't let my grief stop me from helping someone, but that has kept me going to directly help people. 
to provide them with medical equipment that helps them stay in the community, helps them get out of their house, um, medication, doctor's appointments. There are so many things that people with disabilities or medical issues need, and I just wanted to provide that. So to be able to send off something, it, it was like, a piece of Sophia given to this person. Because of her, I was able to raise the money and to have this organization because people were impacted by her. I have the privilege of helping people and I'm just continuing on with that. And also I support disabled activists. Oftentimes they are ignored. And so I support their work. Just anyone who might be met with an unexpected medical issue happened to any one of us. Yes. One of your fundraisers is the t-shirt it says Sophia's voice and there's her heart yeah her heartbeat on it right there and I have a tattoo and so that's the logo of my organization is her heartbeat actually from one of her surgeries that they printed out and I have it tattooed on my arm and so I wanted to see Sophia's heartbeat and her impact worn throughout the world and we have all different types of things in the Sophia's voice store People throughout the world wore her shirt and her heartbeat, and we have a big collage of it. Not everyone could fit on the collage, but what a beautiful thing. I was looking at it last night going through the website, and I saw my photo. I was so surprised to see it there. (laughs) But I cherish that shirt. Ivy has hers too, my daughter Ivy, so we have matching shirts. I think we still have the, I think it was a bracelet that she sent to Sophia and a drawing. And yeah. I remember sitting on the couch and reading it to her. I mean, people would send her so many amazing things and every single one of them meant so much. And we still keep them in a box because I love to look through them every once in a while to see all the kids that just really wanted to be her friend. Aww. So how can other people support Sophia's voice? Yeah, I mean, just one of my biggest goals is raising awareness about facial differences, to normalize it, to share our stories, to teach your children about facial differences. And really, the main thing that I do is financially donating to Sophia's Voice so that I can help other people with the things that they need, wear her heartbeat get a t-shirt, get a sticker for your car. The more people that know about Sophia's voice will know about Sophia and that helps keep her story and her impact alive and my promise to her going. It means so much and it's just me it, and that organization. This It's like my baby. I talk to the people. I buy the wheelchair or whatever it is that they need. So the more money I have, the more people I can help. And that's the most important thing out of all of this to me is to provide some relief for people that need it. That's amazing that you do such important work. And I think you're just living proof that one person can make a huge difference in this world. You've made a huge difference. Sophia's made a huge difference. And I'm sure the support of your family helps as well. You do have two other children. Yes. I love seeing all of your posts. I've seen you guys on the beach, on vacations. It's so beautiful to see you all having those lovely memories and smiling. I just send so much love to your entire family because I know you guys have been through really difficult times. So it means so much to see those smiles on your other children's faces. And Mark is your husband. Yes. Yes. And wonderful, supportive husband. And my kids are amazing. They, They lost their sister, but we openly grieve together so that we could teach them how to grieve and they're doing really well and just great kids. And I just want to mention, you say one person can make a difference just like you, you know, personally making a difference in someone's life by being kind and supportive. And now you sharing our story on a podcast and 
and that's it. One person can make a difference. So any of my followers sharing and, and being supportive or kind to someone showing, you know, we all can make a difference, even if it's with one person, it counts and it matters. So I thank you. Oh, thank you. And I know we're similar in that we love helping other people. I think it's what we were put here to do. So you always say that people can reach out to you anytime for advice. I love that you're so accessible in that way. What would be the best way for people to reach out to you? Would it be through Instagram or? Yeah, I think I use Instagram more than anything else and, and I'm able to get messages through there. So Natalie C. Weaver is my Instagram handle. But yeah, if, if you need something, you need support, you have a question, whatever it is, I like to help people and to connect with them. And I think that's what this life is about for me is helping others, connecting with others and making a difference. I'm here for anyone that might need me. I love that. I just want to spread the message to everybody that it's our human right to exist in this society without having people be cruel to us. Mm-hmm. And differences are beautiful. They are. And they are to be celebrated. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. Your strength is unbelievable. I'm sitting here a mess crying (laughs) through this interview and you're so composed and you've worked through these emotions and you understand how to be able to conduct an interview and not be a mess like I am at the moment. So fine. Crying is good. (laughs) I'm all for crying and sometimes I cry and sometimes I'm strong and yeah, crying is good. It is. We're very emotional on this podcast, so it's okay. I guess they'll understand. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And I just, I love you so much. Thank Thank you. you. I love you too. And I appreciate everything you've done to support me and show me kindness. And we'll keep doing it. We'll keep Sophia's memory alive. Thank you. That means the most. What an amazing and inspiring person Natalie is. I really tried my best to hold it together through a very emotional episode. I do apologize for my shaky voice at times. A few minutes got cut off of our interview. They were unusable just because the connection went bad. She was calling in from North Carolina. So I did want to mention a couple things that didn't quite make the interview. When Natalie was describing some of the activities that Sophia was able to do before she passed away, Natalie had mentioned that they were able to take her roller skating. Some of her favorite music was playing, which included Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. Another part of the interview that got cut off was when we mentioned her brother and sister by name. So I just want to say hello to Lila and Alex and congrats to both of you on doing so amazing on your school's basketball teams. So a couple of the takeaways that I got out of this interview, just how much love a human heart is capable of, just to see how fiercely Natalie and all of Sophia's family fought for her is just truly remarkable. Another thing is that if we do have children, let's teach them at home about differences and disabilities so that when we are out in public with people who may look different than we're normally used to seeing, that it's not something to stare at and it's more something to be normalized. And a smile and a hello will go a very long way, as Natalie says. If you're in charge of hiring for companies or if you're in charge for casting for TV shows or movies, maybe something to keep in mind is how much representation does matter, how important it is to have 
diversity on your staff or in your movie, just think of how important it would be to a child who is maybe in a wheelchair, for example, seeing another kid on his TV screen also in a wheelchair. Things like that, I think, are really, really important just to help everybody feel included and seen. Another part of the interview that got cut off was when Natalie was describing a doll that was sent to Sophia. And it was a doll that was made to look just like her. And again, that goes back to how important it must be for a child to see dolls that would represent what they look like. I think this is such an amazing company, so I definitely wanted to shout them out. It's called A Doll Like Me, and the website is www.adolllikeme.com. They make dolls that look like kids with disabilities and facial differences. So I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Another thing that I got out of this interview was you know, how we take health for granted. And if we have the luxury of being healthy and our family is healthy, that's something that we just have to be so grateful for. And I'm not saying that you're not. I'm sure we all know to be grateful for that. Just in comparison to someone who may be fighting for their life every single day, or they may not have that luxury of not thinking about it. It's something that they think about every moment of their life. So I think it's just something to put into perspective. What we're all capable of and how much just one person can change the world and bring such positive change like Natalie has is incredibly inspiring to me. Another thing was how she discussed grief and how she said to feel the pain, let it flow through you, sit with it. I think grief can come in so many forms and loss can come in so many forms. When I was going through my own podcasts really helped me get through it. Just hearing other people's stories really helped me. I think it can help anyone who's struggling with loss or grief. So hopefully this episode is a form of me giving back for all the episodes in the past that I've listened to that have helped me. Another thing that you can do and I would urge you to do is to support Sophia's voice. You can go to Natalie's website, which is natalieweaver.com. And in the menu, you can check out the store. There's all of those t-shirts that we discussed with her heartbeat on it, but there's other things like mugs and hoodies and tank tops. T-shirt was around $25. That money goes to such a good cause. It goes to helping other children with their medical needs that insurance doesn't cover. I urge you, if you do anything, any good deed this week, let it be that. Let's do our listener of the week. I have to tell you that Canada has been coming in strong every week on the charts. I love you, Canada. Thank you so much to our neighbors to the north. Because of that, I would like to name a listener of the week who is Canadian, and her name is Melabella716, and I happen to know her real name is Melanie. She wrote, so nice to be back. It's so nice to hear you coming through the airwaves again. I always feel like I'm sitting down with a friend for coffee when I listen to you. Love you. Well, I love you too. And thank you so much. Because I know who you are, I want to send extra love to you today because I know it's the anniversary of your mom's death. And I know today is a very hard day for you. I'm sending you my love. And what I want to end on is a question. Imagine if beauty was judged by what's inside of us rather than what's outside of us. How beautiful would you be? It's just something for us all to think about. Inner beauty can always be cultivated. So let's focus on being kind this week. Let's be kind to a stranger or smile or say hello to someone who may especially need that. And it may make their world so much better and more than you even realize you can do. Like I said, one person can make such a difference. Oh
was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.